podcast informs listeners that the views, thoughts, and opinions expressed solely belong to the host and not necessarily to their employer or any other group of individuals. It is not a research report. It is not a recommendation to buy or sell any security. It is for informational purposes only and should not be construed otherwise. This is Nikki. It's December 13, 2019, and I have a Christmas special for you. Today, we're going to talk about how you actually find 100 baggers. Okay, can you, is it even possible? Of course it is. Let's discuss. Okay, so there's actually this book called 100 Baggers by Chris Mayer, and I want you to know about it. I actually learned about this book just today, and uh, well, I've been listening to Motley Fool's David Garner for maybe about 11 months or so. So he talks about in his podcast, Rule Breaker Investing, he talks about his journey and so forth. So I learned a lot from him. And in a way, I wouldn't be here where I am if I didn't listen to Motley Fool. So head tip off to Motley Fool if you want to listen to great podcasts on investing. You know, I don't mind sharing what my resources are. I think that Rule Breakers Investing of David Gardner is really a pleasant um, soundcast or podcast for you to enjoy and learn from. Um, but anyway, um, so why am I talking about Chris Mayer's book, 100 Baggers? What's the relationship? Well, the 100 Baggers book is by Chris Mayer, and in his book, there's like, I'll give you five summaries. First and foremost, for the for the listeners who don't know what a bagger means, a bagger means 100%. So 100 bagger means a 10,000% move. That means that if you put $10,000 in a company, you'd have reaped a million dollars after that company went 100x. Was it even possible? And if you have a 100 bagger in your life, it's really life-changing. Because most people can have $10,000, but... Um, to see a $10,000 move to a million dollars, that's really amazing. Um, let me explain to you systems on how to have your 100-bagger. In fact, I don't even teach 100-bagger. I, I teach even just a 1X or a 10 I, I actually teach 10X trends um, because I do see that from data, it is possible to do a 10X move. Um, 1X is great, but you can actually buy for a 10X move if you're doing some long-term investing in a proper manner. So I'll give you some key takeaways. In order for you to find these 100 baggers, he actually made a study. Chris Mayer studied 1950 to about 2014. That was um, when his book was published. I think he published his book maybe 2015. Uh, you can search it. But he explored and studied uh, a slew of about 360 stocks that made baggers within that 60-plus uh, year time frame all over the world. And um, now, it's amazing that there's 360 stocks that actually did 100x, right? Um, so from Dollar Tree to Monster Beverage, you know, names that you probably just um, know about, but you didn't know that they made a 100x move. In fact, when I teach people that, you know, if, if I ask them, do you know how much Netflix started? They, you know, they got amazed when I told them, well, it was just a buck. 
and now it's about $300. So that's a 300 that's moved in about 20 plus years. So yeah, it is possible. Uh, and maybe the question that you might ask for yourself is, how is it copyable? Can I do it? What are the five uh, takeaways that I can learn from this book? Now I'll tell you what you could learn. What you could learn is, number one, if you're looking for a 100x move, uh, you have to somehow buy a puppy. You're buying a puppy or you're being, you're buying a David in my, in my view, which will become a Goliath. So you can't buy a Goliath that, that you think will become a mega, mega Goliath. That means that, meg, what I mean is you can't buy a mega cap, like you, you can't buy Apple at a trillion dollars today and assume that it's gonna go a hundred trillion dollars. It's pretty much simple. However, if you can buy companies at a billion dollars market cap today, or $500 million today, which are a lot, actually. There's about a 1,000 companies and more worldwide that are 500 to a billion dollars with some decent sales and decent profitability, which can become $5 billion, $10 billion, $20 billion market cap. That's how you should assess. Uh, so you have a certain market cap rule here wherein you got to look for companies which have some runway for growth, wherein it's mathematically possible, okay? Okay, the other uh, the other takeaway is that you want to own companies that are owner-operators. What does an owner-operator mean? An owner-operator is essentially somebody like a Jeff Bezos running the ship of Amazon. He owns 12% stake in Amazon or a company like what I shared to you, like Luckin Coffee. Luckin Coffee is a company that actually started less than two to three billion market cap so far this year, it's on the way to 100% from $17 IPO to about $34. It closed last night at $32. So that's a 1x move so far. Um, and could I see Luckin hitting $250 to $300 someday? It is possible if they keep on growing their profitability somehow, somewhere, because um, as I said, the business model is excellent. Uh, if you've been watching Starbucks, Starbucks traded at the dollar $19.95, and uh, Starbucks is trading at $90. It's trading at 88 So, yeah, Starbucks is a 100-bagger. And and uh, just to give you uh, some data, in order to have a 100-bagger, your average length, and this is average, okay, so some took more than 26 years. The average is 26 years. And actually, I searched for um, more data. The average for a one-bagger for, for most companies is six years. So the super stellar outperformers can be a bagger for a year or two years or three years, but the average is about six years. You know, if I can double my money in six years by having high-quality companies, great business models, and a system, I wouldn't have it any other way. That's why I still believe that you invest high-quality stocks diversify it, but do it globally. In fact, you know, I try to assess my performance this year. It was actually brought about by video games. I, and you know why I like it. The industry exposure that I've made for video game stocks this day, this year was the, my, my, my biggest reason why I won. I mean, look, what happened to AMD and NVIDIA? They are video games, right? They are. They, they've been benefiting so much in this cloud gate that center growth. Um, you talk about the triopoly. Look at how Sony, Nintendo, Microsoft did this year. How about Tencent and NetEase? Did well. How about the top three 
game publishers and developers in the USA, which is at the Activision, EA, and um, and T2. They did so well. Um, CD Projekt, Warsaw Poland. Um, you've had the big ranges of Huya and Africa TV this year. You've got um, actually Huya is in the buy point now at 18 bucks. You can trade your ranges. And then um, you've got like. Japanese names like Square Enix, Bandai Namco. I didn't even include Ubisoft in my list. Uh, you've got Zynga, which is mobile games. Now the, the key to these performances was really knowing and holding. You've got to hold. If you just buy it and then want to sell it quickly, that doesn't make money for you. Because these companies are secular winners. And you gotta understand what the secular winner means. Asbi is a more than, I think this is more than a 20 bagger if you really take a look at Asbi, Activision Blizzard. So my point here is that it's true. It's got a great business model. It's got um, the key takeaway on the 100 baggers is that you gotta have, uh, you gotta see that the company is, has a business model that is growing growing on their sales, growing on their profitability, and you've got to have an owner-operator. An owner-operator means that the, the largest percent of the company is still owned by the founders. The founders like, you know, Jeff Bezos, if Amazon hit the kids, then Amazon, Jeff Bezos would feel the pain, just as all the shareholders will. But of course, it, if it means a lot of money, or in this case, a lot of sales, or gross and price multiple, then the owner is also rich. Same way as how Netflix made a lot of money for its shareholders and for its owner-operators as well, for all its executives. That's what we're saying. That, you know, Luckin Coffee is doing so well, good for Temasek, good for China International, good for Melvin Capital, that's, that's Steve Cohen's protege, protege fund. Uh, you know, there's a lot of people that make money on that Luckin Coffee from the Chinese consumers as well. So, you know, the the point here is, you gotta choose your 100x moves, your 10x moves. Um, Roku, Anthony Wood, CEO, he's got a good, he's got a good percentage of that Roku uh, percent share. Sometimes though, uh, it's a matter of how much percentage should the CEO have a stake on his company to really have his interests aligned with the short-term and the long-term goals of the company. I do believe in that. Like, you want the founders, the owners, to have the biggest stake before you have, before you board their ship. Um, because, you know, if a company like, you know, okay, like example, you've, you've heard Anheuser Beverage, right? Uh, they, they had an IPO this year in Hong Kong. Actually, it was meant to pay debt. It's a good thing that actually that Hong Kong IPO even went up, I think, at about 10%. It tells you a lot about liquidity and how the market is able to absorb these companies. But I wouldn't want to buy a company that went IPO because of that. No, I want to buy a company because this company has a great business model. It's growing in their sales. It's got a path to profitability. And if I could see this company... If I could see the company hitting their sales targets or even exceeding those sales targets, 
if they are making more money than they than they ever expected, then that's a company I want to participate in and I want to invest in. In fact, this uh, the fourth takeaway for you to be able to have a hundred baggers is actually the coffee can portfolio approach. The coffee can portfolio approach is actually uh, because in Sweden and USA, when they find something valuable, they put it in a coffee can and then they just store it. The reality is, for me, I'll tell you my, my personality, I can't hold if it's too much. So, if example, if I just put 1% to 2% of my portfolio in that company, I know I can hold on to it. My practice and what I teach is that try to find about 30 companies, sometimes I say 20 companies, but honestly, 20 to 30 names that you can that you think has a future, that you think has a strong 5 to 10x move in the next 3 to 5 to 10 years. If you can see that company, and, you know, it's, it's not that easy, but it's a bit hard, but you have to see industry should be growing. And then when you have a few names like that, like example, example if I like this, this year we've been correct with Pintuoto, who learned? I still believe in Huya, actually. I think Huya is going to be a 10x move. I think Hilaria will be a 10x move. We're correct in NVIDIA. Uh, we're correct in um, a lot of, actually, a lot of game picks. But it's, I don't think it's over. Um, it, it's still, it should be still held. Um, you've got luck in coffee. And, I, you know, I, I still think that it, it is a 10x move. So we're going to have to try to buy in dips if we could because if the business model is, you know, beating Starbucks, then, you know, it's, it's a big business. You've heard me say 4 GDP per capita, so about 4 cups per, per capita of coffee consumption in China, whereas it's about 400 cups per capita in America, right? Or even, like, example, the, my company profiles, like, you've seen how movements of Shopify did. Uh, I still think e-commerce is a big, big trend. You want to have DTO Express. You want to have um, companies like Etsy, Tintoto. These companies will make money. You know, Etsy went from about $7 to $70. Now you're getting an opportunity to get in at $40. That business model never, you know, it, it doesn't have that bad business model. It bought reverb. It did a lot of free shipping. Of course, it had a cost on their profitability. But for me, you know, that business is solid. Uh, that's why I put it in my company profile. So I want to have it in my portfolio. I want to have some Shake Shack if I could enter it about 45 to 50 bucks. If I can't get it that low, maybe I have to modify. Maybe I have to change it to 58. We'll see. I actually think that maybe in mode it's a big thing, it's a big trend. I probably will try to get in at about next support at 36 or maybe at 28. We'll see. I like Stone Cold. I like Taxi Girl. You know, um, the point here is that the coffee can portfolio approach is the best approach because you have to know that Filipinos or, well, any human being, let's say, the biggest hindrance that makes us lose the compelling investment is that we get shaken up, we get fear, we get greedy, everything. So, you know, to take that emotion out, just follow a system. If it's like 2% of your portfolio, keep it. 
even if it wins, even if it goes 100%, keep it. Or if you want to take profit because it's 100% up, then your 2% went 4% of your original good. Sell half, but keep the rest. Keep the rest because sometimes you can't buy it back. You really couldn't. I've seen that happen with Pintuoto and Cooler. I can't get it back. When I sold it at about 31 to 35 for Pintuoto, I can't get it back. I have to get back in at 31 to 35 as well if I want to enter again. Um, in fact, with Cooler, I sold dirty at about 13 bucks, 12.50 to 13. Maybe my next entry point would be 16. It went as high as 24 this year. Can you imagine how much money I left on that table? I sold some NVIDIA quite early. I sold it. And, you know, the, the point is, I, you know, it wasn't a loser for me. I sold my winner. And this is a cardinal rule that we always tell people. It's a mistake. It's always a mistake to sell your winners, especially if your winner, you know, they didn't make any problem. Maybe, and this is the fifth takeaway. If you want a 100-bagger move, you got to ignore macro. You really have to ignore whatever shops said or Xi Jinping or the trade war or whatever unless it's affecting your business model unless it's affecting that product that company it shouldn't affect your business a company the the, the only reason why you should buy and hold a company is if that company is really being affected by the trade war for instance um there was a company that we like secular which is selling SLNX. Um, they lost about $150 million revenue because there was, there was a blacklist ban for China to, uh, for, for their company to sell stuff to Huawei. So it really hit their revenues in the cell. But you know what? Studying the business, it's a 5G winner. They deploy to China and Korea and a lot of U.S. companies for 5G. And if you like the secular trend, you're going to have to want to buy it, right? So I think there are companies that you could make money from. You have to focus on the secular and you have to just have a few percentage of your portfolio there. In fact, um, it's uh, a lot of a lot of value picking in the Philippines, right? But I understand the dilemma, like if I buy today, it could be cheaper tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow. So the best way for us to eliminate that fear and be objective, and I know this is true, the only way that you could be objective is when you don't hold that company. If you already hold that company, it's really going to play tricks on your mind. Maybe I should um, sell and then buy it back or whatever, right? So I know it's very hard to time. That's why I tried to check, is there a possible way, is there a system wherein I could be business-focused and have a long-term mindset to make about 10x moves? Is that possible? And, you know, before I tell you these stories, was I able to do it? And... Honestly speaking, my best moves came from really that coffee can portfolio approach, from that 2% approach, from that 3% approach. I made about 150% beyond me, made money in these cooler in Pintuoto, Huya. I mean, I made a lot in the video game sector, and it was really just a buy and hold thing. Sure, it's not a big 5-10 year hold so far, but, you know, I intend to buy and hold them that long if I could. I, I'm trying to really do my best by doing that long-term investing approach. That's why I want to keep just holding to the 3% of my portfolio so that I could hold on to it. And I wouldn't be emotional if that 
you know, if that company went from about 40 to 150, and, you know, there will be those bumps along the road. What's that company went from 40 to 180 this year? That's Roku, right? All I'm saying is that you will have a difficulty to hold through it, even when it's going up, because of the fast and furious move. It's really hard. I think that the people who have luck in, they've got it maybe at about below 20, and now it's about 30, 32. I'm not sure how many of them would hold, even if it's a good move, even if it's a winner. Um, very few, very few. And that's the problem with the world. You've got a winner, but you would probably sell. But, I mean, it's okay to sell. Maybe sell half. And the tendency of most people is they'll sell their winners so that they have money to average some of their losers. I mean, it, it, I understand there is that mentality that the loser will rebound or be revived. But you have to have a reason why you're buying that company. Uh, if you have a loser, you have to ask yourself, was the loss really artificial? Was it really artificial? Could you could you really say that the business is sound? And if the business is sound, I you know, I wouldn't disagree. If you already have that two to three percent stake in it, you wanna increase it to about six percent, you wanna increase it to nine percent, do it over time. Do it over time because I mean I, I've done it this way. Um I have Funko and then I thought you know, I sold it up twenty five and then I thought that maybe I should buy it back. I thought 20 was good. I ended up buying at 20. I ended up buying at 14.7. My point here is um, I don't think that anyone could say that they know the exact timing. That's why it's very important to have your position sizing regimen and a system for you to buy so that if you have an ability to withstand those drawdowns because it's a small position of portfolio. I think in the end, diversification is what really makes you win. Diversification. Diversification, because if you think about it, um, sometimes there are companies that you like, that which will, you know, there will be times where, where you'll get a gap down. You're already a winner, and then you get a gap down, so what, what will you do? So the thing that really helps you and makes you at least uh, able to fix the mess is really just in the end it's going to be port portfolio position size um i ha i've had some gap downs nasty gap downs this year i've also had some gap ups my gap downs were far fetch uh, it was an e-commerce play that i bought and then um yeah i got a gap down there when they bought garden health Gar garden the new guardian group which was the owner of off-white streetwear fell about 30 percent or 40 percent gap down in a day so good you know it's just good risk management that i don't have huge positions on each stock i own it's just um it represented about four percent of my portfolio so yeah i took a hit but at least it wasn't like a super duper wasak right so it's really all you can if you can only owe everything to risk management and Sometimes, you know, like Funko, I, it, it had a great earnings, great quarter, but on the earnings front, I don't know why Wall Street didn't like it. The Wall Street made it drop of about 17%. It was trading at 18. It went as low as about 14. So, you know, um, things like that. The, the My point here is that 
you will do better if you know that tomorrow the stock that I have could drop about 20%. So I should be not um, too emotional about it. I should just be ready and prepare for it. When people ask me, don't you want to think about the macro, the recession, and so forth? No, what I say is, and because I've probably learned this from David Gardner himself, two out of three years, it's going to be an off year. There's going to be one year that's going to be down. So I wouldn't know if that one year down is next year or next next year or whenever. So I'll just focus on my company, my company. I'll focus if the company's earnings didn't do well. Uh, sometimes because the earnings could do well, but the market just doesn't like it. Um, typical example, actually, that's why we have a buy on Huya, on Etsy, on um, on Pagsaguro, on um, what else? Huya, Funko, yeah, we, we also have a buy there because it's not really as bad as people think. So I, I'm a willing buyer there. Um, and of course, there are companies that the market agrees with us, which are very good. I mean, at least we like the earnings front of, um, we like the earnings of this stone co and the market agreed with us. So that's just an easy add more for us. Um, Quintuoto's earnings was released. It fell at about 20%, gave an opening entry. Wasn't able to catch it at that drop. It was too fast. But, um, you know, there's a lot of time. In fact, like right now, looking for going up, we'll never know. Maybe next quarter we can have an entry. Maybe it could have a bad quarter. Maybe it could have a good, good quarter. We have to see. We'll see. Um, but the point is, it's good that there exists a lot of things. There exists a lot of companies worldwide. And so you just have to find your system, stick to that system. And I really believe that you would have your 10-bagger someday and hopefully a 100-bagger that will really change your life it will really do